0: guys, so welcome back to the Desert Tones podcast. We're here for episode number two. I'm Dylan, I'm here with my pals.
1: This is Joey. This is
0: Jared. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who tuned in for our inaugural episode. Uh, that was a lot of fun and we're looking forward to, uh, you know, kicking one of these out once a month or so as uh, things are fit. So yeah, this episode we're going to talk about does gear matter? Why does gear matter?
1: Yeah, like some of the examples of like... Um, a bit about how we got to like deciding where we're at with gear sounds that we like our journey and like coming to our preferences a bit um and then sort of i guess um some of the important things that being sort of discerning about your sound um can help with um and of course there is a good amount of subjectivity for it as anything like sound related is Uh, and then there are, again, um, we really can't disclaim it enough. If if there are people who the gear doesn't, isn't so important for, and they can sound great through anything that is totally fine. You're probably not listening to the podcast. I'm listening to a
0: fishing podcast. Yeah.
1: You're, you're probably not with us and that's fine. Um,
2: yes. Something else that I would like to talk about too is like, um, like we definitely have, uh, commercial kind of interests and like influence with the things that, that we've chosen and like the way we've chosen them. Uh, but I also think that the way that the people you play around impacts what you buy and like how you think about gear, uh, is really interesting. And, uh, I mean, that's not really true or like that's true for almost everything, right? Like your friends, and your spouse or whoever like they, they impact your behavior in some way. And I think that was something like as, as personal or as like intrapersonal as music can be, you, you definitely have like a lot of room for that impact, which is really interesting. Um, and something that I was like thinking about is Joey. I think I want to say that I really did not start to care about my stuff until you came around i i think hmm. that uh you know we were all into the progressive pedal thing and into bands like yeah
1: whenever we first started playing together
2: yeah and we were into uh periphery and that kind of thing and we i was definitely aware of like what they were using and that it was super cool but because of the price of it i just really didn't didn't care because yeah i, yeah. I knew i, I couldn't think about really it. attain that and uh but i do remember like being pretty influenced by what you were telling me to get and like after we talked about the kind of sounds that i would want to have for the band that i was playing in um and i think that's still true today in some ways uh but it's like true for kind of all of us in different ways yeah
1: yeah yeah and that's that's a big part of the process um that will i'll probably say a bunch of times is that um doing that with friends and people you know is just fun in general so like i i can i can totally feel satisfied in going and having my own little sonic musical journey um in in like finding and arriving at things that um add to my the sound that i'm looking for in a way that uh, is really cool and unique but doing it with friends is especially like a lot of the fun is like talking about, Oh, have you tried this thing? bringing this over, trying that. Like, this is, this is a cool thing. Or like, I'd never thought to try that if you hadn't brought it over um, kind of thing. So that's, that's definitely a big um, factor in, um, I would say probably all of us here, like in our interest in, in gear and, um, and having tried things from back then, whenever it was like sort of a, a more linear setup, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff back then was, or that we were, bands that we're listening to that were influenced our sound uh, that we're doing then were, um, people that were using things like modeling systems um, and yeah. stuff like that. So it was kind of like all, all together in the box. And there's of course nuance to that too, in what you can do and what you can set up in that. Um, for sure. I'm, I'm certainly still a, a fan. I think we're all still fans. Some of us still have modeling units, uh, physical ones, or we're using some sort of amp sim too. And all that stuff is super, super great. Um,
2: yeah, and just for clarity, back then is like two thousand ten to two thousand eleven ish. Yeah, like
1: ten years ago, roughly, yeah. more or less. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I agree. Yeah, a lot of that is um, it's just like anything else. Yeah, what and it, I guess it to varying degrees depending on like how involved you are with um, the hobby or the the passion for it, and then whether or not there's like you have like. Um, sort of overlapping interests in what the other person is trying to do or has interest in. Um, one thing that I would say first, as because I think all of us, a lot of our friends, certainly everyone here, has had some sort of experience, if not still to this day, recording. Uh, almost anyone, any any professional audio engineer, um, at any level would certainly tell you that the source tone there's a there's a huge importance on the source tone itself and, yeah. and the, the sound being as good as it can be um, straight from what the mic picks up off of the amp um, so yeah that's that's one of the biggest things for it is like less work especially in like in a way that's like not too like surgical and trying to make something uh, workable Um, I mean, of course, like people for years and years and years been able to come up with sounds that like did require a lot of heavy work to engineer and and come up with, um, that's still true. That can still happen. There may be still a significant amount of work to make whatever sound you've picked up from the mic sound even more unique, specific to what you're looking for. Um, but certainly can't polish a turd. Yeah. uh, yeah. Even in the audio realm of recording.
2: Um, I think like, uh, that's something that I've definitely learned maybe the hard way over the years is like, y- you can't just expect to like fix everything in post. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I also think that like, that's what attracted us initially to like, to, uh, modeling units, like the line six pod stuff early on. Mm-hmm. And then the XFX effects is that, you you know, I and mean, we didn't need a studio to go and record we could get a pretty good sound just off of our off of our box and going straight into to the computer yeah. which was kind of a big deal like we didn't have a place to mic up cabinets and like really you know plumb it out so that it sounded just right we were kind of doing it in in a garage or um in our bedrooms or something and like yeah. uh having the full experience in the box like really made like i think if we hadn't have had that there's a ton of ideas that just would never have seen like anything other than like bedroom playing basically
0: yeah
1: yeah it definitely brings like a different level of insight to the process too because um like the things with the thing with modelers like that is you have the capability of altering the sound in a way that's like you can modify things in a way that's 10 times faster than you would be able to do in real life, whether that's like swapping through multiple amps um, at the, at the turn of a dial or the multiple cabs, trying different drives. And you really get a sense of like what affects what the most um, when you have access to something like that. You, If you took the a range of like, multiple different cabinets from like a one eight one by eight to a four twelve or or base cabinets and everything you just ran the dial through and just went through each one of them you would hear a significant difference yeah Mm -hmm. uh so it kind of like it kind of right away when you have access to you know like that like really tells you that like okay there's this has a huge effect yeah on on the sound for it here it does matter um definitely yeah, yeah it definitely I've, doesn't matter.
0: There was a big, a big point of education for me is like understanding what all these different things do and what their applications are for and what things are good at.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's why I, I think those units are, are forever cool. Yeah. Very, very like, um, very like foundational for like, at that time, furthering my, my knowledge at that point of what I knew about sound and what was important. And, yeah. Um, yeah, those those units are awesome.
2: And also like, kind of like a funny thing or like an interesting thing is like, you know, no matter how good they are, like we're on the XFX3, what, like the Plus or the ultra or like what's it called now? Turbo. Or the Yeah, something like that, like that's still, even though that's closer to the real sound than anything they've done before of the units that, that they're trying to model, like it still kind of has its own flavor. And that was definitely true back in 2011, like the XFX Ultra and the and uh, the original. Like they definitely, their take on a lot of those amps was not exactly like how those amps sound, or they were like blends of other things. And so it was, they they have their own a unique kind of like aftertaste almost that you wouldn't get if you if you bought a new one now. It couldn't sound identical to the one from 10 years ago. I mean, I'm sure there's some type of software, but like, you know, like the way that the algorithm works and the hardware and like everything in it is just so much different now than it was back then.
1: Yeah. And to that, I would say that that's an example of where even in like the digital realm, there is a significant amount of variance that can be had in and you know if you compared like if you're comparing amps and like two totally different amps that's like one thing where there's like a huge variance in components uh construction yeah um you know all that stuff Uh, even in the even in the realm of like two amps that are the same like it's less so now with modern amps but more so before like you you could expect to get a uh, there it wasn't uncommon to get two different fender basements at the at one time and one of them sound you know in the same ballpark but pretty different, different and yeah. that, like back then that was like a cool thing it was like yeah yeah you know like james has got one that's like a bit brighter sounding and and that, yeah. that's cool like like people like made ways of like capitalizing on that and and, and you know going and buying certain ones for um things like the studio Um, having like a specific one for a specific set of sounds, things like that. But yeah, there's, there's a great deal of variance uh, again, even in the digital realm. And I think um, to bring it back a bit too, is like, there are examples of even when you're first starting out of, of where you kind of realize, or I would think most people do that the, the sound, there's a great deal of variance in the sound. So whether that's like, you're plugging into an amp that is incapable of providing an overdriven sound and trying to play master of puppets like you, it's not going to, it's not going to give you it. So, um, or, um, like if you, it's not as simple as just like, if we're talking about like a, a driven sound, it's not as simple as like anything that can produce drive. will get the job done. Yeah. Right, you wouldn't. You, I mean, people do, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't just run direct out of a metal zone into the into the front of the house. Woo! Uh, I would, and I have. Oh, you could. Yeah. You certainly should. Um, but that's an example of where, like, okay, a lot of people would understand that you generally don't do that. And but why, would like wrong. that? Why is that? <laughs> why Why wouldn't you do that? And it's because you know there are certain things that. Um, you know, we come to expect um, from certain sounds, or I don't know. I, I think what I've learned about it over time is that trying not to like—I guess—in my frustration with not having the sound of what I was trying to emulate growing up, um, that's where I got to a point where I realized that, like, okay, it's it—it it is the play. It, a good amount of it is still the playing. Um, so like there is an importance in, in knowing how to do something first, like knowing how to play it, with you know, the appropriate amount of like authority and like, um, what would you say? Uh, proficiency, um, all that, that's certainly still valid. Um, but then thereafter, it, it can actually, it can actually diminish some of the inspiration in in pursuing that further i guess or like furthering your development with um whatever you're doing in the moment if if it's not quite right like i know i can think of tons of examples of amps that like i've played that like were all meant to be some sort of lightly driven or clean sound like anyone could tell uh, not anyone but a, a lot people there are assumed differences between things like fender amps that are super clean Fox amps and um, Marshall amps that are also set clean. Like there are still audible differences between those. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is um, sort of coming to, maybe coming to realize what the limit of what the gear you have in the moment is, you know, relative to like, um, I guess the work that it would take to get more out of it. Like I remember I had amps that were capable of a sound I used to have an example would Be I used to have this PV Windsor that I bought from a buddy back in high school that was great it was like a sort of like a, a Marshall JCM 800 kind of vibe mm-hmm. and I had traded a couple amps around and got that one and for what I was doing then it worked great but it was like getting I was at the point where I was starting to transition to trying to play um, more metal music and that certainly can do it especially with a boost um, but like it didn't have the same sort of like depth in the low end, like something like what I use now at 5150 does uh, or other amps in that, that realm. So I I remember then was like, okay, this like technically can achieve the appropriate amount of gain I'm looking for. Yeah. But it's lacking in these other ways. And like, I remember, I remember a buddy, uh, all of us know, uh, Andrew Sierra had, it came over for like a jam once and he was like, and what I was like attempting to play that, point was like totally fine like like with like my playing but it was like I remember he meant met, uh he said it to me he was like I just sounds kinda like too crunchy for like yeah for like what I expect that sound and what you're playing to normally sound like sure um and then I kinda thought about it some more and I think that at that point I was just like trying to trying to make what I had work for anything. Right I was like okay I'll just change the settings a little bit to get it like this. And, and sometimes you just can't like it, it was just incapable uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The limit of it. Yeah, exactly. You've reached the limit of what it uh, can do, and maybe there are examples of like where you can take it further. I mean, like I'm certainly a tinkerer with all things that I have, um so I'm not opposed to you know doing something like changing out pickups on a guitar to get a better sound or or things like that. But um you know, as you become more familiar, and again, the importance in caring about the sound, you'll come to be, to those realizations and think about like. Okay, I this is where this can this is as far as this can take me, right? And so like if I'm looking for more than that, what are some examples of like how I can get that? And so going on your journey to try to figure out what that is.
2: I was I was just looking up uh like the first pedal I think I ever got. Oh, which, I know the one I first got. Well, mine was a uh Digitech Grunge, I think. Oh, the purple um, one, yeah. That I got from somebody I was playing with and I thought that like I thought it sounded awesome. (laughs) Like I
1: don't really remember the sound of it, but I'm sure it probably doesn't. No, no, it was
2: it was just objectively bad by anybody who listened to it. It was like it was like shrill, (laughs) which is really funny. But uh, at the time, I thought, man, it'll never get better than this. I have finally got something really going on here, and now I look back on it and I'm like, Jesus.
1: (laughs) Oh man what was your first one uh first pedal yeah, yeah. That mine was a uh, boss sd1 they still have the super overdrive oh, so i bought cool. that from uh steven cannon in high school uh but it's because at that time like i'd already assembled some somewhat of a rig like i went straight from like this drive practice amp um to when i started playing in a band to having um I had the Avatar four by twelve. Yeah, back then I'd ordered it. Me and uh, the other guitarist, we had both ordered them, and they like, they were matching and everything. And um, I'd bought an a PV triple X. And even then, I had some. I, I don't. Again, that was like fifteen years ago, if not more. Um, where I had already heard about people that were doing metal and metal cord, um, doing like the boost yeah. into like a tube screamer style boost into like a metal amp thing. Um, and so I knew that this, and that was like back then, you know, 2006, seven, uh, even then I'd been on internet forums, like reading about gear and what people were saying and trying and all that stuff. And then I, I'd, I'd come to know the boss super overdrive and it was like, you know, whatever, where we grew up, we didn't have a lot of access to a bunch of different stuff, but, um, you kind of like, you know, back then would make connections with the people at school and I would kind of figure out some of the stuff they had and, uh, I don't remember how I got to get him to b- sell me that, but I-, I bought it back then and I-, I used that for a long time as like my main boost into that stuff. How about you, Dylan? Very cool.
0: Uh, yeah, so my first one was a Digitech RP50, something like that. It was the a the multi-effect thing. It was a multi-effect and it had two buttons on it. And I don't even know if you could actually, how you could edit the sounds. I never did. I just <laughs> went through the, the 80 presets and just landed on one that this sounded closest, cool. This yeah. Sounded cool at the time. Um, and then I believe my first, like, amp amp when I started playing in a band was a Line 6 Spider 3. That yeah. sounds It was like a two twelve. 12 3 so was
1: There's a bunch of different ones. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, Spider 3, I believe. So, yeah, I jumped into Tone Spider
2: first. I thought it was a four by ten. No, I had the
0: I had the small one for a while, and then and then I got the the half stack later on. Uh, okay, I have what I upgraded to, got yeah, okay. the latest Jim Spider
2: technology, pushing the envelope, pushing the <laughs> <laughs> pushing the envelopes of spiders. <laughs> I think my first amp was a little practice amp. It was this. It was also a Spider that was ninety nine bucks. And we got it at Guitar Center in Lubbock. Yeah,
0: that Guitar Center in Lubbock was our lifeline for several years.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of it, some of it for me is is just how I am as a person, and I know a lot of people that are like this too. But I, I, I got this from my dad, where like I like from when I was really young and in like middle school and high school, would always like see him writing lists of different things. Cause he he like worked on. Uh, he had like home projects or like a, you know cars and stuff that he would work on uh, and he would like write out all the parts of the stuff that he was like gonna try to purchase to um, to do something with yeah and so like I remember even back in like middle school and high school um, I would go through the um, CCS skateboard magazines and like build out the whole the whole board and write the list out of all the things from like the deck to the trucks to the bearings to like the riser pads and like all that stuff. And like, I would write um, it out straight from the magazine and like put it all on the list and stuff. And so like, whenever I got into music after I had gotten like the introductory rig, I like pretty quickly was like, okay, I need to, I need to go. I need to like figure out what's, what's on the market for like, what are people using for this? Sure. Um, in the same way that you would see like a video about your favorite skateboarders back then and what they used and, and all that stuff. Right. So it was like a parallel that, i made once i got into music um and that's just kind of like what i do with it it's like i like to list it all out and 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 get it all written um and yeah that that led me to getting like was probably like not a normal introductory rig for most people whenever they start first start playing with a band i went straight from like small practice amp to half stack with yeah a couple of pedals and stuff like that but that was the uh, PV triple X. Yeah, I went straight from from the little drive down to the PV triple X with the Avatar 412, which I still have, in the cab. Yeah, you are really big on lists. Uh,
2: I love lists. <laughs> I love a good list. Give me a notepad. Yeah. Um and I guess like another side of that is, you know, how things work in practice, right? So there's like a difference between uh the stuff that like if you know you're only ever going to play at home then you kind of have a different allotment for what you can do yeah. than if you know I'm going to be playing shows and then you kind of have to put that in the back of your mind is like what's portable what is going to you know be be sturdy enough to last what can I take around with me and also what is going to be like the most consistent that, I, that um I don't have to play with a ton and like for me now you know I I only play at home so You know, I kind of have this laid out on my uh, pedal board in a weird way and, you know, but it doesn't matter because I'm just standing right over it. It doesn't, you know, who cares? Like I don't have to, you know, go from gig to gig or something. Uh, And then like a lot of stuff, you know, I rely on uh, like it being saved to a computer or something like that, that I don't have to have to, to like manually recall any of that information, it's just there for me to access like settings or whatever else. Um, and I know that like all of our experiences now are different, even though we all started playing live a long time ago. And now we
1: like only Dylan really does that now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's where I made the transition was like, I went from playing at home in the bedroom with the small amp and, and that being fine to like pretty immediately going and playing with people yeah, And, you know, I have to play with a drummer and another guitar player and uh, playing things that can fill the room. And so that was another, you know, deciding factor that, that kind of pushed me into, like, needing to change things pretty quick and start caring about what, you know, if I was going to spend my money, especially back then when we were young, it was like, I, th- and I think I have this to this day where like I don't, like, I wanted to get get the most out of my money then. yeah um for it so and again part of that's because we didn't have access to a lot of stuff locally so um we would order a lot of stuff um but yeah i mean things like that certainly um contribute to you know making changes in the sound the things that you have um i don't know if dylan you want to talk about about how like some of how your rig has changed or whether it's just the format or having different different and I know you you have like a pedal board set up before you had like a, you still have a modeling unit. That's a floor unit that you use and how, um, that changes maybe compared to where we were before, like whenever we were playing in music together. Um,
0: yeah. So, um, you know, coming up playing in bands, uh, we, we're like playing you know a full six-piece band at, at a certain point so we definitely had to be concerned about pushing pushing a volume and moving air around yeah um you know back then we you know still i was at least leaning on the modeling thing and just having a, a power amp for that i believe jared and i shared a a crown xls 1500 that, that sounds way. right and uh and yeah and These days, uh, you know, I've gotten into just uh, performing just as a soloist. And so that, that usually doesn't require that kind of volume and, um, definitely the kind of things that I'm playing at these days, you know, uh, don't are not always the most accommodating to musicians, so I definitely uh, am really more conscious of how many trips to the car does this take, and I can I set up in a small corner. How many outlets do I need, and things like that. And that's kind of informed uh, my taste, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. Um, definitely, um, it's definitely very important to me that to have stuff that is you know is going to last and stuff that can, can take a fall or a spilt drink and things like that. Um, I definitely have, uh, also, you know, more of an interest in like budget equipment in some situations uh whereas in the past that was never something that i was interested in um, especially with traveling out of town and stuff I, if you know i can get a guitar that does pretty much the same thing as my main guitar but that's significantly uh uh less yeah, expensive
1: run the risk of yeah damaging it yet.
0: yeah and, and that stuff is just you know I, just getting older and doing different things it's like those kind of things that you know are more important to me whereas back back in the day you know we traveled and had a lot of stuff and it was not always properly <laughs> guarded so yeah we were taking, yeah. ta- we were taking some chances so. yeah <laughs> especially driving home at three in the morning i can't believe we used to do that all the time
1: yeah yeah and uh, like yeah it, certainly the portability for you of course like that's the big thing i think the other thing with like what you do now is like the self-sufficiency of of having all that stuff right like if you have like a, a monitor or like it's I don't know what you would call it. I like guess like a PA unit, the, yeah, the thing, yeah, yeah, that you bring yourself for when you need to, so that you just have access to like all the things that you would need in order to be do it. Set up really anywhere that has mm-hmm. power. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's interesting. And again, that's like an example of like reaching the limit of like maybe what your setup was before, where there was like, you know, I'd you had, if you previously had the head, the four twelve, uh, and then knowing that like. I guess maybe not even the limit, but like knowing like where that's appropriate too, because I mean there certainly are people that can make that will like go to lengths to bring out a you know pretty intricate setup or a pretty large setup, and that's that's cool too. But I mean you know there that's another consideration is like portability, like you said, being able to like make few trips to the car. So yeah, that's really that's certainly really cool. Very I also, important.
2: I also think that like our tastes have changed too. And I think that it's become much more commonplace now to use smaller amps even for larger places because of like miking it up where the PA system has gotten much better. Like, I think, you know, whenever we were playing like 10, 12 years ago, we thought it was cool to have a half stack back there. I still think it's cool. Uh, I mean, it is cool. Kind of. It depends, right? Like, <laughs> I thought that I had to have an eight x ten for the yeah, for the pace amp And like the truth is I didn't really need any of that. Like you can get by just fine with a 210 or a 1x15 on base, just as long as it's it's like mic'd up. Um, and uh, those are things that like we've just kind of changed our take on a little bit. Um, and also part of that is like size, permitting and so on. Like I don't really want a gigantic cabinet in my little like play space. Like I, I just don't want that. Like, so if I can get a really good sound that I like out of something smaller, then I'm happy to do that. Um, and also like we aren't getting any younger. I don't really want to haul crap around that way so much. So there's a few things that kind of go into it. Um, but our tastes just kind of naturally evolve over time. Um, and, and for me, at least they've certainly matured, I would say. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, dr- I'm dramatically different than I was 10 or 12 years ago, as far as my tastes and sound, but I have a lot, m- I, but, but there's a lot more variety. Like I still like the things I liked back then, but I like a lot more stuff now. So I- I'm trying to like do different things.
1: Hmm
0: sometimes uh sitting down and playing through someone's rig is like wearing someone else's pair of shoes it's just ain't right
1: yeah yeah i mean it, i think anyone who's gone to like <laughs> like a guitar center would be able to if they've ever if you've ever gone to a guitar center or any music store and just like tried something out for the first time you know it, it's just it's a totally different experience it, again it goes back to the like muscle memory and comfortability with like uh your home setup and it's yeah, it's it can be like pretty daunting to go and try some new stuff sometimes, especially if they don't have something that's like in the realm of what you're used to there. I mean, yeah. there are times where like they'll have the marshal, they'll have the box or they'll have the whatever that you need in order to do it um or to be able to judge something, but like that that is another thing that I think is important with with doing that is like um the as far as being familiar with it is being able to like have a good like like base and reference point for judging things yeah that's right. exactly right right so like and and that is again goes back to the thing about like the, the what's cool about bringing something over to your friend's place is then being able to try it on their rig and kind of see what it does you don't really get that a lot of times just from going and, and playing it at the, the shop or the store uh, and you can kind of get a sense of things now um through um the like demos, yeah, the demos that people do on YouTube and stuff, because uh, they give you like a, a, a reference for like this is pedal off, this is pedal on, this is kind of what it does. But and at I,
0: first, here's my clean tone.
1: Right, exactly, <laughs> uh, and I guess you get that in Guitar Center, but there's like the pressure of like people around, yeah, like watching you, watching you. You smile. don't want to turn up, or, or there's people that do, and then you can't yeah. really hear and this whole process for it. But that's that's certainly something that's like I, I think underrated about. Uh, Being particular with some of this stuff is like having your home base and being able to like say like I, you know, maybe when I tried this at the store, I wasn't super into it or I was and I brought it home. doesn't sound anything like it sounds totally different with my setup. Yeah. And my guitars and all that stuff. Yeah.
0: Definitely happened to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, prior to us uh, starting the show, we were playing guitar here. um at my house and joey had said like we were playing on my ibanez az and he was saying yeah this feels really different to me like i'm having a hard time kind of executing you know what i'm imagining this to sound like or like my normal standard of playing because of how different your setup is uh and he brought over a pedal for us to try um on my yeah ac 30 and it's like i kind of have a pretty good sense of what it's doing but for him he's trying a different amp even if he is familiar with the sounds of that app generally he's you know it's slightly different my my
1: chain is slightly different uh yeah it's it's. i mean with that it's it was being like a guitar it's just like set up totally differently uh different tuning that i'm used to so it like again it goes back to what i was saying Like so i just i kind of feel un- like it's not uncomfortable to play but i I don't have, I I just can't play it with the same intensity or like, I don't know you would say, authenticity almost. Like I can't, it feels, it feels odd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think like a good
2: comparison honestly is like, you know, there are beds everywhere in the world. You can go to a hotel anywhere and sleep in a bed. It's not that beds are uncommon; we have mastered bed technologies. (laughs) We can build the best bed. We 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 can do it as human beings. But there's something about your bed that is significantly better than any other bed. So you know, if I'm getting a choice between sleeping at a Holiday Inn Express or my home bed, I'm going to choose my home bed every time. So you know, it's not that. That other bed is not really a bed or something. It's just different. You make uh, a bed
1: work, but that's right. Um. Uh, yeah, and I guess another thing with the like familiarity with your home setup too is like being able to troubleshoot, which is like very valuable. And, oh like, yeah, and, like I know what my setup sounds like, and then maybe over time, it you know whether it's like tubes failing in a valve amp or um, something happens internally, and you can recognize then that it's like so there's something wrong. Like this is not sounding like it normally does. Why is that? Yeah. Um, or like you, you, have that experience whenever you go and try gear that you are familiar with somewhere else. Um, if it's like you and a buddy have a very similar setup and there sounds different for some, some reasons, like maybe there's something going on with it. Um, so I, I find it, it helps with like being able to know when there's an issue, yeah. um, with your setup and, and you know, like anything else it's like, whether it's like, you know, you, you, maybe have gotten like a used vehicle and like wouldn't have known that the brakes were like halfway through their life or like, sure. Their, yeah. Their yeah. Life, right. And then you get them changed. And it's like, Oh wow, this is like so much more responsive. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, I actually don't think that I've owned anything that has failed in such a way that there was something that could be done to it or that it wasn't like a setting change. I, I'm mm. trying to think back on like, you know, the stuff I've owned over the years and other than that time, that I had that custom two by ten combo amp that we hooked a, oh, we hooked a head up to just to see what it would do, and it blew the board on it. This was like back in two thousand. Yeah, I remember that. Um, we needed more tone. Yeah, so we. Well, where's more? I, I mean, it's just completely obvious now that that was not <laughs> going to work. But anyway, like you know, that was beyond repair, really. Um, but like, I've never owned anything that that failed i've had some stuff fail, but instruments are different you can tell or like for me like that you you know if you own anything for more than a few weeks or or even if you just got it like you know you need it set up in a certain way to play it or it like it'll drift out of your preferred range or whatever and so like that's different i i mean that that's obviously happened to me a ton but amp stuff no
1: yeah, I mean that's that's too or like another example of where you, you can recognize when you know the strings are getting old, the the neck is shifted on the guitar, it's yeah, not sounding yeah. quite right or feeling quite right, like and then you have to take it to get addressed, right? And um there's there's a whole process for that with um every other aspect of of the chain too. And a part of that process that is again cool for or I, I find is cool is uh, coming to like certain realizations along the way, as far as like what is affecting what, um, yeah. And so, you know, some examples are, you know, like uh, on your telecaster, like what is the sound of? How does the sound of brass saddles on the bridge change from the from steel saddles to aluminum saddles, and and what effect that has on the sound? And you can you can go pretty far with that kind of stuff. But um, I think all that stuff is really cool, and there's like a satisfaction in. In coming to certain conclusions about that, uh, especially with with friends or other people who have um, a shared interest in sound or, or for the sound um, that is that is fun and and cool to like have as part of like whatever your thing is, right? And I know like a couple of years ago, a good buddy of mine or ours, Kelly Williams, like whenever we were playing together, uh, we came to realize that uh, the cream back the M 65 that had came out semi recently around the time, uh, was like having a big effect or like, we were like super into what that was doing for the sound at that time. And so I know that he's since like put that in a a couple of other amps that he's gotten since. So, um, just coming to things like that, I think is really cool. Making things like really personal, which is a a big part of the driving factor for me is like, there are people that can um, take the gear, especially in like the form of a guitar, um, buy a guitar and kind of just accept it for what it is. And, and that's, that's totally cool. Like I, if, if it's, you know, if it checks all the boxes and and that's why you bought it, then perfect. Um, there are like certain preferences that I have now though, in the process where I, I know to some degree, whenever I'm playing something, uh, what I may need to change or alter in order to get it closer to what my preferences are. Um, and that's just a fun thing to do make it, make it your own you know kind of you know and and then having the satisfaction of like doing the work yourself or putting some amount of thought into it and completing this project over time like it's, it's just fun
2: yeah i think that so i i think that you're definitely way more aware of how those like smaller details affect what you're doing more than i am yeah me too and like i think i like i respect that uh for what it is like you know the fact that you can pick up on those things is like really cool to me and you can uh notice details that that i don't and we were we were talking about this like off the show a couple of weeks ago and i was thinking about it and i was like well you know i'm pretty particular about a lot of things in my life why am i not as particular with like my instruments or some of the gear that i choose like There's a lot of stuff that I work like really hard to make it my own. Why am I not the same way with this? And I think what I have basically arrived at is whenever I pick up uh, a guitar or like play through my setup or go in to record, I want it to be as like visceral as possible. I do not want to have a lot of barriers to entry for like what I'm hoping to achieve and you could argue, well, being more particular about it knocks down some of those barriers. But for me, I, I think I just want something that is going to cover as many bases as it can or at, as I care for it to kind of in in one or two different settings so that I can just get right to my creative idea and then go from there. Like I don't want to really be thinking about the gear or anything. And for me, playing music is, has always been a lot more about being expressive than it is or like being expressive through the sound than it has been through like the gear and things like that. Not to say that the gear is not important to me, but just like the way that I think about it is different than the way that you think about it. Even if we are particular, it's just in two different ways, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I think you do care to some degree though, like in some of it. Cause like I couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I definitely see what you're saying. Like, I just... I think I'm just at a point with what... Like, when I know I want to achieve a sound, I know what it takes to get there. takes to get there, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, there are certainly guitars or, in, you know, other aspects of what I have that, like, I know what that does and I'm fine with it, right? So, like, yeah. I'm not... I don't go through every amp that I buy and think about like, I need to change the bright cap on this to be this, or like I need to alter the negative feedback in this way or bias the tubes to this certain temperature so that it's right. Like there, there are people that do do that and and that's great. But, um, yeah, it's just, I guess like you, you just know when it's right and when it's not. And I guess like, yeah, it kind of sounds like what, what you were saying is that like maybe some of the stuff that for what you're trying to achieve, there's no, there's nothing lacking or missing from what you're you're doing and in, in this in the you know gear that you have. Yeah. Uh, whereas like you know like I like I just recently bought again uh, a, a baritone guitar, and I had had one a couple of years ago, and it's um it was really awesome, and I, I missed having one after I sold it, and so I picked one up again. But you know there's a very specific influence for why I wanted that baritone guitar, and so. I can pick it up. I can tune it down there, but like, it just doesn't sound right. And it's like, I, I know it doesn't sound right. So like, why wouldn't you try to like make it sound closer to what you need as opposed to like, you can kind of get lost in like, well, that guitar just couldn't do it. So I just sold it and got something else. Yeah. Right. I guess like, I just there there's satisfaction in making it personal, but two like, there's, there's having the ability to be able to recognize what, Um, Can get you closer because you just, I I, I guess you could say there's more time put into it. But I feel like I'm I'm losing or like I'm losing less time by doing that by being able to like not pick something up and say like, well, that's all I can do and sure you know leaving it at that. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at telecasters the other day and I was like, well, I have a telecaster at home. Like, I just. For some reason, it just doesn't dawn on me that I can modify it, that I can change things about it and and bring it up to code for what I'm wanting these days.
2: Yeah. That's funny. I was looking at some, too.
0: Telecaster in the mind.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, like, something that a couple of us – well, I think it's it's hard to remember all of them over time, but, like, I know that you have a couple of, like, signature instruments um, from certain players, and, like – I think that's an example of where like for what's influencing your sound if that person is a huge part of it then you can kind of you can kind of rest assured knowing that when you purchase that it's going to be pretty much as close as possible to being able to accomplish what you're looking for right yeah, so yeah. like you can buy the the PRS Silver Sky for getting that type of like John Mayer sound and like know that like that's that's what he uses, like tracing
0: the unpleasant truth that the rest of it is just applying. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh,
1: but I mean, like, yeah, like I don't know, I, I. Some things I'll accept as they are, like you know, with the one of my guitars, uh, the Holzworth. Like I recognize what that does like, for for what I want to use it for in the context of like a heavier sound, something like you would maybe use your. Um, H 64 the Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like I recognize that that guitar, the Jackson, has like a much more aggressive sound. Um, that I still super like love. Like I, I love playing that thing. And I recognize that like the carving can't quite do that, but it does its own thing that has like informed a lot of what I like
0: yeah.
1: as it was. And so I, I kind of accept it for that. Now I, I still have made some changes to it to try to like it, in my head make it closer to what I'm looking for without taking away from what it like can sort of like the sort of natural sound of it is, uh, as well as just like, you know, generally having fun with tinkering. But, um, yeah, sometimes you just, the way that something is as is, is inherently the sound, you know, like, like you were saying earlier with the things with, about the modeling stuff, like some, I, I like a lot of the older units. We've had, we've had talks about this before, yeah. like a lot of the older Axe effects units and like, although like by comparison 13 years later they are much higher resolution than they were then there are sounds intrinsic to those old units that like maybe aren't as accurate to what they're emulating as the newer units are but in that way they, like you said they have their own sound yeah right and so like there are times where i accept that and like i want it it can it can seem odd to want something that is I guess you know like it's like I specifically want, want this older lower resolution television yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, can, it can kind of sound like that in a yeah. way but like with sound I guess it's a bit different and more subjective but um yeah it's just there are times where I do that and and where you don't I guess like and that's that's part of the process for it too is like I definitely like have moments like you said where like I. When I pick up the guitar and it it's I know what it does, I accept that as part of my sound, uh, and I, I won't think anymore about it. Like I don't think about anything on the Carvin other than having to put new string, bigger strings on it. Right. I don't yeah. think about mm-hmm. like I should put bare knuckle juggernauts in it or like I've I've thought about that before, but I also like think about I also do like the sound that it has now. So yeah. that would be, a, that would be a side grade as opposed to an upgrade for me. Right. Sure. Be like yeah, a, yeah. That would be able to something
0: that would just take away from the vibe and the specialty of it. And yeah. It's like it doing a thing is like way more important than like it being the best or the most this or most that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think in that case though, it's different because of like of mentality that that particular guitar kind of has and, and like uh, the history of it and so on. Like, I feel like it's almost like a museum piece where you kind of want to keep it as close to what it was in the state that you got it. Uh, um, But like, I think in my case, like there's, you know, for certain instruments, uh, whenever I got the 1527, um, I knew right away that I wanted to change the hiccups out yeah i didn't i don't even know what it had in it when i got it i, I think, think i still it, have it at the house uh i think it was an air norton
1: and something else tone zone yeah it's like a tone zone air norton something like that or maybe i have i like literally have it on my bench i don't remember what it is but yeah, but you had a spare crunch lab and liquefier well i had the crunch Lab. you already had a liquefier in it oh yeah that's right and that's, so we we're just right. like oh well this is like the matching set like yeah yeah like let's just go ahead and put this
2: in um and I thought, well, okay, this will hold me over until I buy something else. But then I, I really started to like how that sounded. Yeah. And then and then, it dawned on me, wait a minute, Like back in like 2010 or, two th- or 2011, this combo was very popular for the kind of sounds that I want out of the 1527. Yeah. And so it's almost like this weird uh, nostalgia thing. Where I want to keep it like that because it, like, has that kind of experience for me of, like, this is what people I were using back then. Uh, I couldn't get it then, but I have it now, and I want to keep it this way, kind of. Yeah.
1: Which is, is, like, interesting, I guess. Yeah. There's there's definitely something to that, like... You can almost say it's, like, a psychological connection. But even if it was just looks, right? Like, there there are times where you just want to like, like with that Carvin uh, guitar, I would say like, I definitely really like the way it sounds for that application in, in like the context of like a heavier, like metals. Um, I mean, not limited to that, of course, but like if we're doing the comparison between the Jackson again, I definitely like the way it sounds a lot for doing that. Um, but it almost to some degree, kind of didn't matter cause I was going to make that work because I just have a psychological connection to that yeah. thing. Right. And that, that happens for people too, whether it's like they've inherited something that they want to make work. Um, or you know, some things are just like something that are just like things look cool and like looks are whether anyone wants to admit it or not definitely can matter a lot and inspire. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like certainly that's that that's a thing for sure and i think um to go along with like realizing that there can be a psychological connection to things like that is just like make it work for you yeah like, like, like you you recognize it as a psychological barrier um that you have uh and however you have to get over that that's fine like i mean i know that there are some things that like i can be more particular about than others but like i just accept that i mean i, I try to work on it of course but like <laughs> I, I, you kind of accept, have to accept how you are as a person uh, with some amount of that. And then whatever you have to do to be able to get over that hurdle do. And sometimes for me, that means like having to get on the journey of like going to figure out like, you know, going and reading and and listening to a bunch of uh, examples of demos of stuff and figuring it out and trying different stuff in order for me to land on like, I really like where this is at. Um, like part, again, part of that is fun for me. So like if, if I recognize a part of my process is to have to go on that journey, um, to, for me to maintain the, the, like the, the high of like inspiration that I get with like playing and then getting a really cool sound and a a really, um, like specific sound, then I just, I know by now what I have to do in order to like try to maintain that momentum. I guess. And uh, I guess too, I mean, there is a difference in, we've said this about making it personal too. And like, there are, you know, especially in the realm of like vintage guitars and depending on who you talk to, there's, there's like an idea of correct specifications um, versus like your preferred specifications. Um, And sometimes, sometimes what you would prefer, like in like in a hundred percent ideal situation um, doesn't exactly work out in the context or in context the way you thought it would, right? Like, there's like, I I can think of before getting that carvin I like, I l- had tried, i had gotten a couple of other custom carvins made, yeah. Um, before that, there were like adjacent models to that one, and I spec them out according to like what I thought i would have liked and with some drawings from inspiration from some other guitars that i did like and after some years with them i realized that like it could there's there's aspects of this that was like too much like the the first one i had the ash one the natural one that was cool that one was like it was yeah it was super cool unique i I don't think there's another one out there like it yeah um but you know i realized that you know it's a it was a hollow it was like a a semi hollow or a chambered uh guitar uh, and it was like a a very it was a tongue oil finish all over it was like ash so it was super lightweight body and so but when you had it on the strap it would the it was pretty noticeable neck dive on it yeah right and so it kind of made the playing experience like a certain way that was like not ideal and then beyond that like i would get so used to the way that guitar sounded and, and then i would go to play something else and i'd realize how much brighter that guitar is and like i kind of had to put some time into thinking about like am I just used to this or is this actually like what my preferences are? And then I came to realize that like, it's really not, I would like, I I got rid of the guitar and uh, I don't really regret it because of the guitar that I have now. But, you know, I learned a lot about what I thought my preferences were sure after having tried that and got that. And then again, later with the, the headless one thereafter too. Um. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's, a lot to be had from like exploring that and on the other side of it as far as like the correct spec thing there are i'm not especially concerned about things having to be super correct i guess it depends on what it is right there are times where like i'm specific because i know what one particular thing that i'm specific about will accomplish for me yeah um but like there are people who are like individual vintage guitars that would like berate you for going and trying anything that wasn't correct to the era as they should right (laughs) uh like like i've always i've always wanted like a telecaster and i have the baritone now but I, i don't have like just a regular standard telecaster but like in all my years of like thinking about what i would want it to be it's not especially traditional in like some of the woods that are used or Uh, even like the bridge that I would want to try on it. And like, I, I guess that's where it's like, again, you, you arrive at certain things that impart a certain sound. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is cool, uh, with the process too, is like, you, you kind of just have to have to mess with it and see, and that's, what's fun to me. Like, there's an example of like, there's, uh, there was a bridge that, uh, Kelly had put on we came we found, I don't remember how it, he brought it up to me but it's a mastery bridge for traditionally jazz masters and what they do is they do a like a instead of like six different saddles for it they have two saddles each one is uh compensated in the angle enough so that you can get correct intonation but I guess what happens and I don't know the full science behind it but it, like all the strings in two sets, at least, um, there's more tension on one individual saddle than you would have on six individual ones, right? So you have yeah. you have the three wound strings on on one saddle, yep, the th- the three at playing on the other, or if you have the wound uh, G, but that adds a sound to the instrument that because we 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 played it before, he got that work done and brought it back, and and we realized that this this made a big difference yeah. in what the sound was. And then I later got uh, a, another version. It was like a flat. Uh, a hardtail version for my fender that i had that originally had a six um like a sort of like a strat type like hardtail one with the six individual saddles right Uh, i put a mastery one on that and made a big difference and so like what did it do to it they like you get less crosstalk for one with like the adjacent saddles from the other uh but then like i believe and this is a part of their what they claim as well as that like with that added tension on one individual string, there's increased resonance or not in string, but on that one individual saddle, there's increased resonance. Some people would maybe argue that like there's, there's people that say like for tellies, for example, with the three barrel saddles that you kind of maybe don't even want them to be like even touching so that they're not like, they're not resonating and like you're getting, I guess some form of crosstalk across the others, but how, what I don't again know the science behind this one but um it like you could feel it whenever you hit the guitar you could feel like an increased resonance in like whether it's just cuz the tension was tighter or however they did it but yeah. um so now i know that like that's a pretty heavy consideration for both uh the baritone that i have now and a future like regular telecaster too and it doesn't like cork sniffers would look at that bridge and, and be like that's not correct sure. right no. and like sometimes it's not about being correct yeah, yeah. is what is what yeah, I mean. yeah 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 sure yeah yeah so like a whole like, it's just fun to get sort of in the weeds about all that stuff and like come to things that like mu- especially like mutually again with friends where you come to like this is what we like and like i got all, we got all my buddies on this one thing because we you know it's just cool to like I don't know we like what's another parallel you can make about that? Like Dope. We got all all of our no, buddies on. I don't uh, know that drugs is I don't know. There, there's there's something else there for it. Um or like a, a good comparison, but
0: so yeah it's definitely been an element of trial and error for me just learning as i go um i've definitely uh for example like bought and sold a few different strats over the years because i really thought that i wanted that vintage authentic spec and that wasn't that you know in practice that wasn't what worked for me and so you know it's just like kind of having to uh do some you know education and just trial and error on stuff and like buying something and playing it for a while and like kind of understanding like how I play and what I'm going for, is this working for me or not? And then comparing that to someone else's guitar and then, you know, reaching a point where it's like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work for me anymore. And then moving on to the next one. And then, you know, I got a little closer and then, you know, and then I finally arrived at, you know, a Strat style guitar that really worked for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's interesting about that too, is that like, i i mean you can correct me if i'm wrong i think the i don't know if it's the same for the se but for the regular silver sky it's uh like the radius of the fretboard is a seven and a quarter Mm -hmm. right and so that would like that would be an example of a vintage style spec for strats but like that's again we're like depending on how it's executed relative to all the other like um appointments on the guitar like can make a big difference so mm-hmm. it's like you know you tried all these other ones that were like maybe had similar specifications but this one is just like mm-hmm. very dialed to be like this sort of like cross of like vintage and modern mm-hmm. right and yeah. it, it works for what you're, what you're doing yeah
2: yeah that definitely is a guitar that to me is like the epitome of of like modern and vintage
1: kind of taste mm-hmm. yeah
2: mm.
1: yeah and like you know there were i mean we've maybe done this a bit more or dylan and i with like tinkering with the guitars but like i mean i don't know if if you remember heavily i mean i know that like back whenever you like kind of changed some of the pickups for the first time on like the carvings that you had mm-hmm. like some of it was like I i would guess back then was just like you knew what pickups would or like were used by the people that you were um being influenced by yeah. right? so you can kind of, you it was totally safe to just get that but um there was a small period of time with i i don't know if it was both the guitars or at least one of them were like you had what they provided you with and, and of course you got to you got to pick from their range carbon's mm. range right yeah um but even then like you knew like this is great um but i i know that ultimately i want the juggernauts in there Probably yeah the good, i right? i
0: had the six stock for for uh, i think over a year or so with the stock pickups the holdsworth pickups actually that came in it and those are great too they're just different flavors
1: yeah yeah and so that's where like you know i think there's another good example where like you kind of knew like had some time on it you could have just accepted that for like how it was but then realized that like you know maybe for other reasons like the seven strings like sometimes it's like especially with those two parallels like you kind of just want i feel this way about like a telecaster a regular telecaster and the baritone i want them to be kind of close like as much as they can be uh, as long as it's appropriate for the added register Mm -hmm. right so like it was safe to like you get a similar response similar feel similar sound from um juggernaut six string set to like the seven string set that you already had in the seven so it kind of made sense and again you did put some amount of time on the original one so you kind of knew what they could do yeah very true Yeah. yeah
2: Yeah, so I think um just to kind of wrap up something that has come to all of our minds at various times as both people that have played in bands and played publicly and people that have been in the audience like you, you know, for people that are very meticulous or like care a lot about their sound like we all do in our own way and like a lot of the people that we follow do you know, does the audience really notice? Uh, oh yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. Uh, d- d- do they notice and do they care? And I think a lot of that depends on context. It depends on the on the type of band you are and the type of like presentation that you intend to give. Like a band like Periphery or like Animals as Leaders or something like that. Like people would know if it was not sounding like the record kind of like they they have such a sense of, of like those tones that I think it would be like they would be like asking for it if it was like very poorly done um if they did just show up and plug in a metal zone straight in and tried to do yeah you mm-hmm. know uh but like you know does the audience actually for like the general public uh for you know or like for local bands or whatever else like do they really care and i i think that the answer is probably yes
1: yeah i think I mean, I, I think there are, there are definitely... I mean, probably even the majority, to be honest, of people that, like... They wouldn't be able to tell the difference between hearing the Line 6 by or mic dub versus going direct with the Axe Effects and, and doing all that. And, like, that's okay. But I think there is... I think what we're, we're kind of getting at, too, is that it, it does... Like, it's not exactly for the audience, per se. However, um, it, there actually is something you know, going along with the talk about being particular and like coming to certain sort of realizations with the whole process, there is something to um, being able to appreciate. I've found um, the intricacies of someone's sound as a, as a musician myself, like yeah. I've seen am yeah, yeah. going to see an, a band live for the first time or like for another time and they've changed something about it. And I can kind of like appreciate it uh, further than sure. maybe like the average audience member would be able yeah. to. It's like and- a fine wine with dinner. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's cool to like be able to have that conversation with them, like, and say like, this is you did this, and this sounded really cool, and like, kind of, you know, pick their brain as to like how they got that, yeah. uh, and and that that's fun to me, yeah. So I I think, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't be able to tell the difference, um, but there is it, it's at least to me a bit more about the personal sense of ownership and what you've been what you've sort of like crafted. Yeah, this is Man. your sound. Yeah, taking this, pride in what you're doing. This yeah. is my sound.
2: I guess, like, I kind of misspoke. Like, I think that they do care in a general sense of, like, this sounds, like, really not good or this sounds, you know, passable. But, like, yeah, there's yeah. are extremes they, to it. Sure, they yeah. cannot tell, like, something, or, or they probably cannot tell something like that or, like, uh, the bridge difference or something. Yeah, if like, you're
1: yeah. in the general ballpark, if you're going to a metal show and they just, they, Sound like they have a lot of distortion on it, and it, it it like they're not gonna care too much about whether you're sure you've got vintage thirties in your cab or or greenbacks or anything like that so yeah. um it it's it's just it's just fun for you as the person having put the time into it, and i think that's that's all the that's all the justification you really need to have to care about that of course like you can again relative to like Knowing what you care about. Like you may not care about having like the highest end possible delay um, for your board. You maybe just need what will get it done. And that's that's fine too. Uh of course. But um there's there's certainly like that argument is just I don't I'm not a big fan of the audience. Can't tell when that one kinda gets me. But
2: definitely interesting stuff. I would imagine that at some point we will come back to this in a in like some other way down the road yeah
1: yeah yeah, definitely uh well we want to thank everybody for taking a listen to our second episode um thanks for listening to the first one too everyone that like yeah again gave like positive feedback about it or even just took the time definitely definitely appreciate that thank you so much yeah thank you and we will see you guys next time all right friends take care now take care
2: hasta luego